0: E.D. Yo. Can, can we start cranking up the uh, the hype machine here? Week 7, Niners at Patriots. Is it too early for
1: that? Uh, is it ever too early to crank the hype machine? <laughs> well, yes. Yes, it is. It is. So it's too early. Yes, it's too early? Don't do that. All right. Well, this is the
0: Believe in 49ers <laughs> podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He is Super Bowl champion Eric Davis. I'm Rashawn Haylock. We're going to get into that in a little bit. We got an, another edition of Real Thing or not we'll talk about that week seven matchup between the niners and the patriots a homecoming of sorts for jimmy g but also cam newton in case you haven't heard he signed with the patriots that makes things a little bit uh more interesting uh is jimmy g elite that that thing has come back around uh and, and has entered the top of a once again um there's going to be a shortened preseason the nfl has announced how does that affect one brandon ayuk we'll talk about that and we'll also talk to ben noonan uh ba's junior college coach at sierra college we'll get his thoughts on ba uh, and just how much of an impact he can have with the niners but uh first we start Uh, With this whole Jimmy G being elite conversation and and Debo from rehab uh, posting on social media, uh, of course, backing uh, his quarterback, Debo Samuel, of course, uh, you know, rehabbing from that, that, uh, that foot surgery that, that he had uh, recently. Um, The, the elite, this thing is so layered, right? Because for one, you know, what, what constitutes being elite, right? And, Mm -hmm. uh, and then you go from there and then you say and then you say all right well depending on what those components are um you know can this person be you know is this person elite or not i think to me and 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 you can i definitely want you to chime in on this to me this 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 reminds me of comparisons or i start to compare Jimmy G with another quarterback who it seemed like we were always asking, is this player elite or not?
1: (laughs) Okay, keep going.
0: And it's Eli Manning.
1: I knew that's where you were going. Okay, <laughs> it's Keep it's going. it's
0: Eli Manning, right? We we talked mm-hmm. over and over and over and over again throughout the course of his career. Is he elite or not, right? Even after he won that first Super Bowl, people were saying, "Well, I don't uh-huh. know, maybe maybe he's elite, maybe he's not, maybe not." Then you know he he goes back and he he beats the Patriots again to win another Super Bowl, and then people are like, "Okay, maybe this guy is elite, right?" So mm-hmm. is it is it just the championships that makes a guy elite? Um, or no. or or is it you know actually production uh, the the play on the field you know regardless of you know that that postseason success and when I when I look at their careers just from a number standpoint there are a couple of things that stick out to me in 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 comparison between Eli and Jimmy G um, one of the things is completion percentage and, and and I know when you look at Jimmy G there's a, obviously a much smaller sample size. Um, but Eli only completed six more than sixty-three percent of his passes just one time in his career. He played some what fifteen, sixteen years in the league, right? Uh-huh. And, and, and he only threw less than thirteen interceptions just twice in his career as a full-time starter, right? That's uh-huh. I, I picked that number thirteen specifically because I know there's a lot of talk about Jimmy G being a gunslinger, this, that, and the other, and, and he threw thirteen picks during the twenty nineteen uh, season. But as far as uh-huh. the, the completion percentage. Um, you know, two of his three years with the Niners, and obviously, you know, some of those have, have been shortened. Um, he's thrown for well over sixty-three percent of his passes. So obviously, okay. there's there's a there's a much smaller sample size there when you look at Jimmy G's numbers and his production versus um, what, what Eli Manning has done throughout the course of his career. But if you look at purely the numbers. If Eli's elite, and I don't know where people stand on this or not, but if he's considered elite and you look at the numbers that Jimmy G has put up thus far in his career, although a smaller sample size, it's not even close.
1: Um, okay. So, well, let's start off. Okay. So the question was what did, What makes you elite or what do we consider elite or, or qualifications uh, for elite? Okay. But now let's go back to completion percentage. Completion percentage is one that I really – I know everybody gets all enamored by it. I don't really care that much. And I don't. I, this, I knew
0: you were going to say that. I
1: knew yeah, you were well, going to say that. Well, this is why I'm going to say that, because it's based on the offense that you're playing in. If you were throwing if you were throwing the ball under 12 yards, a professional quarterback is supposed to complete those. If you're throwing checkdowns, swing passes, slants, outs, Curls, drive routes. You're supposed to complete those. If your screens, remember screens, that that counts against your uh, towards your completion percentage. If you're in that type offense, as opposed to Bruce Arians, how he has Andrew Luck pushing the ball down the field. Never really high completion percentage guy. Ben Roethlisberger when he when they push the ball down the field. When you're throwing 30, 40. 25 yard comeback. Andrew Luck used to throw from the opposite hash. I remember <laughs> when I saw him doing it. From, he would, from the right hash, he would drop back seven step drop throw a 25 yard comeback to Reggie Wayne on the opposite side of the field. That's a freaking 60 yard rope you have to throw. That's arm talent. And that's, and that's also an opportunity for a DB to make a play. So you don't complete – so you're going to throw interceptions in those situations and, and with those tight balls. So that's why I'm like the completion percentage, that's not really one of those things. People can go and look at that. Um, You know, it, it's the same thing. So think about you, – you think about um Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston threw for 5,000 yards, but he threw all those interceptions because he's in that offense where you – Aaron, well, he wants you to push the ball down the field. Now you shouldn't throw 30, but you're going to throw a lot more than a, a guy who like Garoppolo, who is in an offense that's designed to get the ball out of his hands under 12 yards. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. That's that's the majority. I mean, the, even the, we're going to get into BA later on, and and that's why, why do you draft him because he's a run after the catch guy. These are just long. The, the West Coast offense is long handoffs. That's that's what they're doing. Get the ball into these guys' hands and let them run. That's what it was built upon. That's what it would always be. But the question, elite quarterback, whether or not Jimmy Garoppolo is an elite quarterback, for me, the definition of an elite player is really simple. What's the plus or minus with you being on or off the field? Mm. that's what determines of an elite player If when i'm on the field do we win are we better than when i'm not on the field when i'm on the field is there an immediate uptick in production is there immediate uptick in the way things are done throughout the huddle as opposed to when i'm not on the field that's why Patrick Mahomes, there's a difference with him quarterbacking. You look at Deshaun Watson, there's a difference in that offense when he's quarterbacking. We can talk about then when he was there. Say what you want to say. Say what you want to say about um, um, Dak Prescott. But Dak Prescott, I mean, it, it was a. You, you look at Jason Garrett. That's why I always said when people wouldn't give Tony Romo any. Credit and my and my comments way back was that Jason Garrett was the most quarterback dependent, and I know that every head coach is tied to his um, starting quarterback, but I was like he is the most quarterback dependent head coach I've ever seen that's able to keep his job because it's so obvious when Tony Romo was on the field they'd win games they would compete to win their division when he was out they'd win three games. Dak Prescott came in when Dak with Dak's on the field, they win. If, if he doesn't have a good, he can't win without a quarterback. There are some coaches that, yeah, I mean, O'Brien, he can win without a quarterback, but they're much better with it. So Jimmy Garoppolo, is he an elite quarterback? Well, his production says he is. Forget his numbers, forget the stats, forget anything. When he's on the field and it's been that way his entire career, when Jimmy Garoppolo is under center, th- the team wins. The offense is productive. Second-rate offense last year, right? Something like that? Yeah. Okay. When he was in New England as the backup, when he came in, what, 3-1 and one as a starter? When he came to the Niners before he got hurt, he was, what, 5-0 and o as a starter? Yeah. Last year, he was, what, 13-3? and three? 13 and
0: yeah. He's, he's 20, 25 and. Twenty one and five in his career as a starter. Nineteen and five with the Niners.
1: So, and 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 but more more importantly, his time with the Niners when he wasn't quarterbacking. How many games did they win? Because he's been on that one. So so that so that's what I'm talking about. Four and twelve,
0: only three of those wins. Three three of those wins came without Jimmy. Okay. So he won one before he got hurt. So absolutely.
1: So so you look at so you look at when he's not there they lose. That right there is what epitomizes an elite player for me. Is your team is your team Hamstrong? Is your team hurt? Can your team produce the way they are capable of producing without you? Is your team one of the elite teams without you? Because if they are, then you know, really? Yeah. <laughs> you know you know what I'm saying? So so that's so that's that's what I'm saying. We're gonna talk about the elite quarterbacks, the elite position guys. I think that right there shows it more to me than anything. Peyton Manning is a guy that I always said, Peyton Manning is going to give you 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 know that Peyton Manning is going to do something to where you are ten win team because Peyton can figure out a way to win five, six games. Brady could figure out a way to win five to six games. That that's 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 what you know just from having that guy. Now you get your coach to do another three or four, and then th- that's how you get those ten win seasons. Because if you have that type coach that can win a couple of games for you with schemes or proper timeouts or you know just a, an adjustment at the halftime or or in, or in 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 the middle of a drive or something that they spot, that's that's what happens um to get you over that hump when you have when you have that elite coach but yeah so that, that's the thing i mean the argument the argument can't be wrapped around numbers if, if you wrap it only around numbers it's it's just too difficult because players are always going to be able to produce one way or the other you can't do it that way um i think I think the most vital thing is do are you are you a winner do you win games? Um, how are they with or without you? So that, that's why I wouldn't put Eli Manning. I never put Eli Manning in the elite category. When people ask me, was he, is he a Hall of Famer? Yes, um, because he, he he put the numbers up and the stats up necessary to get there. But did I ever consider him the elite quarterback that you couldn't win without? Well, his, his teams didn't show me that.
0: Well, you no. I keep, mean, as as a matter of fact, he 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 was a a whopping one seventeen and one seventeen in, in yeah. his career as a starter. So I I I think there there there's some credence, obviously, to 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 what you just said um, from from that standpoint. Um, it's I don't it's interesting. I feel like people people always want to bring up whether Jimmy G is a lead or not, and and I think that sometimes. Somehow, some way he, he's a victim of the Niners team success in the sense that it's like you said, a lot of long handoffs, um, and even being a run first type of team, uh, somehow um he gets he gets knocked for that. I, I think that's I think that's very, very interesting and, and well, something that continues say, to come up. Yeah,
1: can I say something? You're talking about a victim of team success. Can I tell you something right now? Yeah. You know what's funny? And the way that in today's game the way you have the, the the football focuses and you have all of these talking heads that want to pull up stats and and I do them every week I have these calls where I talk to guys and they're stats guys and and you get these guys that want to pull up this stat and and you can always pull up the numbers like I had someone last week I had this discussion on radio in New Orleans where someone was saying that Jimmy Garoppolo um, um, like he can't be a good quarterback. said he threw, he threw. What did they, what did they say? That he threw the highest number of interceptable balls of any <laughs> quarterback in the league. And I said, hold up a second. I said, hold up. I said, what do you mean? I, he said, interceptable balls. I said, I said, there's no such thing. And he, he was like, well, no. See, that's see, That's what I'm talking about. See, that's how you try to fix. It. I said, no, I'm not trying to fix anything. I said, this is really simple. I said, he either threw an interception or he did or he didn't. I said, I said, what do you mean interceptable? I said, I said, by that standard, I said, every ball that's thrown is an interceptable ball. Yeah. He was like, well, you know, they're saying balls that he never should have thrown. I said, so you, I said, so my comment on that one, I said, so can a guy, I said, can a guy make the pro bowl on a play he didn't make? I said, can a guy win a football game on a play that he didn't make? And he was like, well, no. I said, then how can I penalize the guy for a play that didn't happen? I don't think that makes no sense to me. Yeah. So that's, that's what I'm saying. When guys go through these things and they, and they they start talking about all of that, you can use the numbers, and that's what the, these guys do, these stats guys. But because we have all these stat guys and we have stats like interceptable, the most possible interceptable ball thrown by a guy that makes them not be that good, P- people listening, all all these Niners fans that are listening to us right now, they're faithful. Do you guys realize that in today's game, by today's grading systems and how they do everything, Joe Montana would be one of these guys that they're saying, he's really not elite. He's not, he's not that good. Joe's not throwing for 5,000 yards. Yeah. Joe is going to throw the check downs. He's going to throw the slants. He's going to throw the quick outs. Joe's not going to stand back there and throw for 400 yards every game. That's not the offense he's going to throw screens, he's going to get the ball out of his hands and they would say that Joe is just a game manager. Just the he's game not manager. an elite he's just not an elite quarterback. Manager.
0: Joe Cool, so just a game that, manager.
1: All he would do is win football games in the exact same manner that Jimmy Garoppolo is winning games. So that's what I that's what I'm saying, you got to look at the game beyond just the numbers and completion percentages. It's do you win does your team operate better is the huddle more fulfilled with you in it that's what an elite player is yeah. so that's that yeah. and until
0: until your point i think that's that's the infiltration of, of analytics right and I, obviously it's exactly. it's, ta- it's taking over baseball um to just unprecedented heights in the sense that you know Like coaches aren't managers aren't even allowed to manage now in the game of baseball, everything is about the numbers Um, for for the most part. Yeah, yeah. and Mm. and we've seen we've seen it now kind of infiltrate into the NBA, into the NFL as well. Um, I don't know, it's it's fascinating. That's a very, very great point that you bring up, though, about about Joe Montana because in in today's day and age, like, I, I, I you can we can totally see people talking about him in that manner and looking at the numbers mm-hmm. and and seeing that that saying that you know he he he's just a game manager um because of the way that offense was uh constructed um around him and Jimmy G basically playing in you know essentially a a uh a similar system right i mean the it, same it, it same all system. it came yeah. from exactly. it came from the billwash came from the billwash billwash yes. tree um the nfl came out and said that the Uh, The preseason is going to get cut short uh, due to the ongoing uh, COVID-19 pandemic that we're all undergoing right now. And so the camp will open for the Niners July 27th. August 21st, they'll play the Raiders. August 29th, they'll go to the Bears. And those will be their only two preseason games before week one, September 13th, against uh, Kyler Murray and the New Look Uh, Arizona Cardinals Um, I I I look at Brandon Ayuk and I look at this offseason not necessarily being the norm no rookie mini camp um, all these things that they do for rookies to prepare heading into camp um, you know a lot of that stuff has either gone virtual or uh, it's been even more dependent upon you know the player run stuff uh, that that, that they've been a part of Um, and now two less preseason games and you draft a guy that high, you draft a first, you draft a first, I've heard you say multiple times, you draft a guy in the first round to be a starter, right? Um, yeah. And and you look at the departure of Emmanuel Sanders, you look at Debo's injury, and, you know, the timetable says 10 weeks, and if so, he'll be ready by week one, but if not, who knows? Um, and there's a lot of eyes on Brandon Ayuk right now. And are... Like, are these expectations on him too high, considering all that's going on, uh, both with, you know, the changing climate that we're in right now, in addition to the departures and injuries um, that the Niners are dealing with right now? Um, are are these expectations that are being placed on him too high? Like, will will he even be able to reach these expectations that um, that a lot of people have placed on him? You know, heading into this 2020 season, I I don't I can't speak for what's going on inside the building. I I don't know what the 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 expectations that Shanahan and Lynch and and the likes have on him. But you know, you hear some of the talking heads, you hear you you hear the faithful, and people are expecting him just to come out in a blaze and you know you know pick right up where Emmanuel Sanders left off or pick right up Mm -hmm. where where Mm Debo left off and I've heard you say it time and time again, especially at that position. It's not that simple.
1: No, it's, it's not. Before I say anything, I'm going to say this is the Believe in 49ers podcast. I think it's been a while, so we probably should let people know who they're listening to. Yeah. And and we're on every podcast network. We're on the Believe podcast network. But wherever you listen to your podcast, find us. You found us, so just stick with us and, and do all the necessary checks, likes, you know, what? whatever mark you need to make to let people know that you subscribe, let everybody know that you're down with us. And now back to that question. Um, um, are the are the un, are the expectations unrealistic? Nope. That's what happens when you are the number one. You will forever be a number one. And when you are a number one, you are supposed to be a starter. You are supposed to be a pro bowler. You're supposed to be an all pro. You're supposed to help the teams win games. You're supposed to figure it out faster than the other guys. All of so, those expe- expectations are not unrealistic. That's what goes along with the selection. That's a part of it. Now, the reality of it is that it's going to take some time for you to actually get some work in to get yourself up to speed, to learn to play the game. And yes, it is difficult on wide receivers coming into the league because they have to learn to read professional defenses on the run, like quarterbacks difference is that they're going to get hit in the beak If they do something wrong, as opposed to that quarterback um, when he lets that ball fly. So, it, it's it's challenging in that aspect, uh, but I don't think it's any more challenging uh, be, now because of the fact that there are two less preseason games. It's not going to change anything. That's that's not going to change anything because he was only going to get so many snaps in a preseason game anyway. Um, it's it's not it's not like it's going to dra- dramatically affect his his practice reps he's going to get more than enough reps he's going to get more than enough opportunities because you will have other players you don't have Debo taking reps so a lot of balls uh, I I think you would agree that Debo was going to be a major part of the offense um, a major part of the passing game yes so a lot of the plays that would have been going to Debo um they will now go to B.A. He will he will get an opportunity to run those routes. He will be in the huddle more. He's going to be tired, so he better get in shape because he's going he's going to run more routes than he's ever run in his life during during um, camp uh, to get himself ready. But uh, that's not that's one of those things where that's where he was going to be anyway. So it's a yes and a no. Yes. Um, those expectations I, I, and and the belief and the want and the desire for him to get out there, that's what goes along with a first-round pick. It's just like Nick um, Bolsa last year. Um, I mean, you know, we're expecting, you know, you're the number two pick of the draft. That That's Hall of Fame pressure. We're expecting you to come out here and ball from the start. It's the same with every number one. Whenever you're the number one, the expectation is that you're supposed to get on the field and produce. So that's real. That's just the way it is. You're one, you're two, you're supposed to play. And you're supposed to be good. I mean, really, that's just that's the way it is. Um, especially if we have all the belief that we have in the 49ers front office and coaching staff that they know players, that they know how to evaluate. So he should be good by, by the belief that we have in everyone that's selecting players. So there's that. Um, and, and no, he's not going to just get it and be there. So the expectations are that's just the way it is it's tough but it's going to take time. It's going to take time. And and it's and it's all about how you yeah, and I think prep I think that's out. the
0: thing right? I think it's going to take time. And when you look at this 2020 season and and how unorthodox it is, I think I mean even with DeBo it took time, right? Like it 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 it, it, it wasn't like like and he had a full you know, there there were no restrictions, right? He he had the the, the standard, you know, off season heading into heading into his rookie season. Um, but it you know it wasn't until a little bit later in the season that we start to see him kind of thrive. I think it was like maybe the Seahawks game, right? That that Monday night game, we are like, okay, Debo's is, is kind of waking up here, right? That might have been what was it, week seven, week eight, I want to say. Um, uh-huh. and so of course like you you expect it to take some time right i I think my whole thing is i think people are have this belief um or at least are extremely hopeful that week one (laughs) we're going to see ba have that type of impact and i just don't think that's realistic
1: um well this is this is something that you have to um also put into your evaluation of how things are going to be because this offseason has been so dramatically different from the normal off season for any incoming rookie. Um, you have to think that the coaching staff will have to play it differently with that understanding. We haven't had our hands on the guys. The guys haven't been able to run around and, and see things and, and space it out the way it needs to be done. Uh, because that's offensive. Offensive of ball is all about leverage, angles, spacing. That's that's what offense is all about. Uh, so you need to be able to actually get the geometry down on the field. Um, but because you don't have all of those things, my mindset is that what teams are going to do, as opposed to trying to put in. Once upon a time, they used to, we would go and you know, and we had that Bible. And I, that, my Bible had 263 defenses in it. And each one of those defenses had, you know, a minimum of five different variations based on formation, uh, you know, um, personnel, based on um, motion or shift. And so there was constantly because that's the way George Seaford head worked. He, it didn't matter what an offense did. He wanted us to be able to adjust to be in the best position possible. It wasn't like just play through it and and live to another day. It was like they move, we move. They switch personnel, we switch what we're doing based on that personnel. So it was learn the Bible. Learn everything that this – now, there are plays. And I think I told you a story about one, like that 92 – the 92 NFC championship game. Uh, Martin Harrison blew a appeal blitz and Emmett walked into the end zone at play uh, on a, on a call. It was an all out blitz that we, we ran, that we installed in training camp in July. Um, and we didn't run it the entire season until
0: that, that game. That game. Yeah.
1: The NFC championship, the last game of the season. That was the next time we even heard that. When I, when I heard it in the huddle, um, Cause we had a lot of code words because our, you know, so it, th- that's the same thing on offense. They give you all this long verbiage. We have it on defense too, but we would use a lot of cold words to just shorten things down um, so that you didn't have to do all of that stuff because defensively, again, you have to react to what this team is doing. So you don't have as much time. Um, when they start shifting and you have to change things, so when I heard Double Dollar Texas Special come in, I knew what that entailed. I knew that it was it was going to be an under front. We were going to have all out blitzes on the outside with the free safeties. They were going a gap blitzed. I knew everything that was coming. Guys were coming off the edges and they had to peel off off the edge. We we're man to man covers across the board. Um, he he blew it, but you're responsible for it. And what I think is going to get happen now. As opposed to learn this Bible it's learn the game plan because going you go into a game plan saying these are the b- specific things we are going to do versus this opponent so that 263 defenses that we started with that you add on to during the year it's 300 and something as as you start adding different things in but that as opposed to those 263 um, main Bible verses, you're going you're gonna to drop that down to 15, 20 defenses that you're going to focus in and say, these are the best versus this team. What I'm getting at is that's what I think they're going to do for uh, these players coming in. That's, that's what I see Shanahan doing with B.A. We don't necessarily need to teach you the entire playbook right now. What we're going to do is teach you the things that we will be using against these first few opponents. And we're going to add on and add on. And remember, there are things that we want to show in this. And there are things we want to show in week one because we're really trying to prepare for our week four or five opponent. And we want to set them up by doing that a certain way. But also, I'm still teaching you this play that can come along elsewhere. So does that make sense? Interesting. That, no, so,
0: not Yeah. So you 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 you, you pair it down, essentially. Right. And, and, yes, you, and, yes. you, and you get very specific and it's more of like a week by week plan as a lo- as opposed to the long game.
1: Yeah, you start game you start game planning like I'm not I'm not trying to put in my entire offense and expect you to learn the entire offense cuz we don't have time to do that. We don't have a month and a half and we didn't have, you know, another month and we didn't have a month in June to teach you we didn't have we didn't have that you know that 3 or 4 days after the draft that I had my hands on you where I could give you specific things to show you and and do it so what i have to do now is let's just a game plan let's just let's let's look at these are the plays we want to run and here are the here are the 30 plays that we need to get down right now and like and like i said in those 30 plays we're going to have some things sprinkled in that um are really setups for other teams uh, down the road because we have to start doing that as well. That's, that's how you, that's how you game plan. That's what you do. You do things that you don't expect to work on on Sunday because you know, they're going to work two Sundays later. Then that's, that's what you're really doing. Setting teams up. That's how, that's how you play the game. That's the chess match. Um, But you, and also you can go in there and you can, and um, just, you know, as a, as a coordinator, Kyle's going to know what he's building off of those things. So you get into the game. Well, this is what we went, we wanted to do. Well, that's not working. Well, guys, you know what, in this formation, we're going to put this little wrinkle in. So they already understand the basics of that play. So you can game plan and adjust and add a little, add things to it. I think it's easier to do it that way and have a player understand it as opposed to saying, uh, here is my playbook. <laughs> yeah. Learn it, digest it, be able um, to recite it. You, you know, it, it's just that that's I think I think if you go into it that way, you got to have a you have to have an understanding um, that you're going to have some players that just can't absorb it that quickly. It, it's just going it, to It. that's uh, that would just be a problem. And I think they'll do it the op- they'll do it the latter right that's what i think you'll see more teams doing saying let's just come in not expecting these guys to go beyond this point the older players that are already there you know that's fine you you want to go over things again to still get the timing down to get everything adjusted but you add on that way and i think it, it'll be much easier for a young player to pick it up as he goes as opposed to just getting that playbook man because it's 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 hard when they just hand you a playbook like that and, and you just have to just learn and absorb it because you're, it's just, you're just memorizing the X's and O's and you're trying to learn this foreign language. Um, and forget you're for, trying to forget your old playbook, which is the hardest thing ever is not learning. Learning the new playbook is far easier than forgetting your old playbook because you're going to see things and hear things that are similar to what you were doing but they have completely different Different meanings meanings. yeah so and and the only meaning that matters is the one to the team you're playing for uh so you have to you have to get all of that into your head uh, and then be able to recall it in an instant because you're paralyzed if you it, it's always you can always tell because people all the time you'll hear on nfl films they're doing these things where you'll hear a guy say i didn't get to play i didn't know the call i didn't do it like no no it's really easy to spot the guy on the football field who doesn't know the call he's going to be the one jumping up and down swinging his arms yeah, asking yeah. somebody what's going on you can't you can't play football i'm, I'm telling man you are paralyzed if you don't know a call you are completely paralyzed. If you don't know what you're supposed to do, you are completely paralyzed. So when you when you see a guy doing something now, he when well, he's like, I didn't get the call. No, you got a call. You misunderstood the call. You may have oh, you may have um, interpreted it uh, incorrectly. You could have just possibly heard the wrong thing. Or maybe you just flat out didn't know and you thought it was something else. And I, that's, I, I, you just did the wrong thing. But it wasn't that you didn't know what to do. You knew what to do. You just did the wrong thing.
0: Yeah, two, two, two totally different things. I, I think it's fascinating, not just for BA, but, um, for all the rookies, really, in in this class, and, and how you know staffs approach them, and, and the type of success, type of impact that they could have in this in this rookie season, and and I, to your point you know, I whether it's with the Niners, whether it's with some other team around the league, I, I think it will be interesting to see. I believe there's gonna be that one player or maybe a handful of players who, um may have been, you know, way less heralded, but to your point, able to absorb the information uh-huh. um, so well that they just kinda of burst onto the scene and and, uh-huh. and and no one no one has uh has, has talked about them. You
1: know what it's it's the Cooper Cup thing and um and um for the Rams.
0: Yeah, exactly. He was
1: one of, he was one of those guys who wasn't talked about, you know, you didn't it, you know, it was he was he was an an okay player that people thought had a chance, uh, but the part that no one knew was that that the dude has this photographic memory and he could learn a playbook, he could completely digest a playbook in 2 days. Yeah. So so now you are not even you're not working on learning, you're working on nuances like a vet
0: <laughs> and, that, so, and that's next level. That's yes, that's totally next level so because you can yes, so, move. You can move freely. You know what I mean? Like you're not yes. in your head. You, you don't have to think about it. You're you're just out. You're just playing exactly. at that point. So
1: so now so now as opposed to trying to figure out what you're supposed to do, you are now playing football, which is now you are saying this is what my opponent is trying to do, so I can manipulate that in this way. That's when football gets fun. When you are actually playing the chess match that's out there. And so you don't know how quickly a guy can absorb and get to that point. It normally takes seasons. So if you have some guys that are that way, NBA may be that way. We'll find out. Yeah, We'll find out. He he may be that way. When when I joined the Carolina Panthers, um, the entire playbook in two weeks, that's, that's how, that's how it was. I mean, we had, we had a, you know, that that was their belief that you should be able to get this and that's what we want so it, it's two weeks we're going to do this every, every, i mean everybody knew everybody in the room like this is it didn't matter if you're a vet or oh, whatever oh here is here is the defense that we're running now and you, you learn it and you say that but because we were a veteran crew they were able to actually do it and install it at that rate. I mean, they were putting in seven, eight, nine defenses a day, mm. but you had guys that understood football and was like, Oh, well, this is based off of this. And it relates off of that. And this changes here. And the only difference between this defense is the stunt that you're running there. And the only thing that's happened is the secondary is going to do this instead of that. So once you have guys that understand that you can pick up the pace and say, "Okay, we can do more. You get it. You guys understand it. That's that is something that we can't account for, and we'll see around the league, as you just said, around the league, who's gonna have guys, young guys that can pick up um these things earlier, seeing that the coaches haven't had their hands on them at all yeah we yeah. uh we're
0: we're gonna talk to Ben Noonan uh coming up. Ben Noonan is the head coach at Sierra College. he coached. Uh, BA during his time playing JC ball. We'll talk to him. Uh, we also got a real thing or not coming up for you uh, in just a little bit. Make sure you hit us up on uh, social media. On the old Twitter, I'm at Watch Ray Ray. He's at underscore Eric Davis underscore. And on Instagram, uh, I'm at Watch Ray Ray and he is at underscore bump and run. Um, on Twitter, I'm at R. Haylock. Did I say Watch Ray Ray on Twitter? No, on Twitter, I'm at R. Haylock. Uh, yeah, yeah so, that's right. So, yeah, yeah, so we'll have uh, – just, just just, search us. Just We're, we're there. You know you, you, know where we are. Um, <laughs> we'll have Ben Noonan <laughs> coming up on the other side of the break. First, this from our sponsors. This is the Believe in 49ers podcast.
1: Angie's list is now Angie, and caring for your home just got easier. Whether you need help with routine maintenance or a dream remodel, Angie makes it easy to see reviews, compare quotes, and connect with top local pros who can get the job done right. Plus, you can see upfront pricing and instantly book hundreds of projects. No phone tag, just the work you need done at a time that works for you. Angie's got your to-do list covered from start to finish. Book your next home project today at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I.com.
0: Pleased to be joined now by Ben Noonan, head coach at Sierra College. He coached Brandon Ayuk during his time playing junior college football prior to going to Arizona State. Coach, thanks so much for joining us. Before we get started, uh, just wanted to check in on you, the family. How, how, how's everybody doing? How, how are you guys handling uh, quarantine up there? Uh, yeah, everything
2: everything's going well. I appreciate you having me on. Um, you know, talk about such a fine young man and and uh, with a legend, ED. And uh, things are going <laughs> good besides being a homeschool First and third grade teacher. I'm not doing so good at that.
0: But other than that, life is good. Well, I don't I, I don't have the homeschooling, but I, I got a 10-month-old, and Daddy Daycare has extended hours now. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's on and popping mm-hmm. over, over here, Coach. See, um, ED, I, I told you. I told you you're a legend. I'm not the only one that, that says this stuff, man. please um,
1: uh, when, hey, when, hey, stop it. Stop <laughs> it. I'll leave it at that and ask your first question. Move on. Coach. I appreciate we, you saying that, but move on. <laughs>
0: Coach, when you when you got uh Ba, um he was a defensive back, um and and now you look at all these DBs in the league and, and Eric and I were talking about this on on a previous pod in, in the sense that he would have you know pretty prototypical size you know for a DB with those long arms at 81 inch. Uh, wingspan, but you you guys moved him to wide receiver. Obviously, it's paid off. He's a first round uh, draft pick. But what was it um, that you saw that that prompted you uh, as a staff to make that move?
2: His high school film. Now he had a little bit of receiver film, but it was mostly corner and kick returns. And when the ball was in his hands, whether it was an interception return or a punt return or a kickoff return. He just was on a different level. I mean, it was like, you know, we got, I just felt like let's put the ball in this guy's hands as many times as possible because he just pulls away from people. He cannot be caught.
1: <laughs> well, be looking at him. What is it? I, I went to a D two school,
2: um, and
1: I was able to continue to develop and get to give myself an opportunity to play the pros. Uh, BA goes to a JC uh, what was missing because you're talking about the dynamic playmaker with the ball in his hand but what was missing what was lacking for
2: him to not get that that d1 opportunity at first and end up at a JC well you know we we junior college we get guys for a couple of reasons number one they either need to develop physically or in the classroom you know or it's an immaturity thing Mm-hmm. And so with with Brandon, it actually was, you know, his freshman and sophomore year of high school, uh, he struggled academically to the point where he was a non-qualifier and, and he had to take the J.C. route. Ben
0: Noonan, okay. head coach at Sierra College, joining us. Go ahead, Edie.
1: No, 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 no. I, I was, I was going to say, no, all I was going to say is that uh, th- that's good to know. I, I like seeing it because as, as he continued to, so my next one would be, so he, he had to take that route and, and that's what I the guys develop at different times. Um, mm-hmm. His development, what what did you see from the time he got on campus until he was ready to leave you? How, how did you see that transformation start to take place?
2: That's one of the best parts about being a junior college football coach. I mean, the downside is you don't get to coach guys for four years. You don't get to see them in their senior year um, at the pinnacle of their college career. but we we get freshmen coming in, and we get to see the mental and the physical development that happens between an eighteen to nineteen year old, a nineteen to a twenty year old. And with Brandon, it, it, it was just it was off the charts. He came in ready to play. Um, and was an all-league performer as a, a, a freshman for us. But he was very quiet. He was confident, but, but very quiet. And his freshman year, you know, he would make big plays but would not end up in the end zone all the time. And then he took the off season very seriously. By, by May of 2017, going into his sophomore season, he was fully parallel squatting 500 pounds. When he came to us, I think his squat was 250 or 275. Um and so he embraced the off season. He embraced the mental challenges. He loved to practice. He loved to practice. Um, and then by the end of his sophomore year, he was an All-American. And those arm tackles that he would go down after a 35, 40-yard gain his freshman year, they, they weren't stopping him. He was gone. He was ending up in the end zone. And it was cool to see that maturation. But also the confidence just blossomed. You know, He's never been a talker. But if, if, if you know, somebody says to him in the Niner locker room this year, hey, rookie, I'm going to lock you down today, he's going to say, okay, we'll see about that. That's about all you'll get out of him. <laughs> and that's, that's all you about need. all you'll get out of him. But, you know, that's the kind of yeah. – you know, it was awesome to see that transformation <laughs> mentally and physically.
0: Ben Noonan joining us. He coached Brandon Ayuk uh, at Sierra College. Um, coach, can you just talk a little bit about the plight of – a junior college kid, especially in California. I know a lot of people, they've watched Netflix and. They've seen East Mississippi and, and some of those colleges, you know, outside the state. They have dorms for guys. It's like a mini college. Like out here, it's totally different. Like I, I and especially for out-of-state kids too. Like I know some kids who've had to work graveyard, you know, just to have some money for for um, for tuition or or room and board or whatever, and then still have to go through practice and all that to to perform on the football field. Um, what What's that like um, for 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 you? Not only as a coach, but but just you know dealing with that, you know, year in and year. Out and, and just the grit that those players uh, tend to have.
2: Yeah, it's a special process. um It's it's different than being a head coach at any other level, high school to the NFL. You you hit it on the head. We do not have dorms. We do not. I mean, we have dorms, but we don't have dorm scholarships. We don't have meal plans. We don't have uh you know tutors that walk them to class. We don't have scholarships in general. So. Yeah, it's a big-time struggle, and what you mentioned, I live it on the daily with a large percentage of our team. They're working graveyard shifts. They're working outside of, of football. They really they – really, you it takes a special person. You really got to have a love, a drive for the game because, um, you know, when you leave one of these community colleges, or most of us that do it the right way in California, you're going to be self-sufficient. I mean I have a study hall program in place but I'm not walking their I'm not holding their mm-hmm. hand taking them there they're going to they're going to learn how to be self sufficient um and they're going to grow up pretty quick but it's it's uh you you hit it right on the head it, it's a different level and Brandon was no different he was one of those out of state guys that was paying out of state fees and and uh, it's, for people out there that aren't aware of this in California out of state tuition is 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 like you know, five times, like a California resident can go to school for free. And in that same semester, an out-of-state student is paying upwards of $5,000.
1: Well, you mentioned
2: you mentioned loving it, and, and uh, it takes a certain amount. It takes a certain mindset. Both of you guys are just
1: talking about that. It, it's a certain mindset that you have to have. And I, I coached at a junior college uh, for a little time in, um, in mm-hmm. California, in, in the Bay Area, Cabrillo College now. There, the real College is. It's in um, Aptos. It really, the field overlooks the ocean. It's on the hill. You overlook the ocean, nice ocean breeze and everything. But the but the plight of the players was the same. But the love that you actually have to have to go out there and deal with the elements weren't as severe as Sierra College. I spent a little time at Sierra College. <laughs> we were. That's where we used to have training camp. The love that guys have, um, and the mental toughness it takes to deal with that practice in that tight heat, coach. Can you, can you touch a little bit on that? How, how do you see, from mentally, um, what you put those guys through in that environment? How is that going to help be a next level?
2: Well, Ed, you lived it, so you you know I'm preaching the truth when I say. When we hit that field, we start at three o'clock. Oh, um, you know <laughs> July and August, and it's 110. Peaking, you know it might get up to 113. We play on turf, so add another eight degrees to that. <laughs>
1: um, oh, I'm and, sorry, and, coach. I'm sorry. I didn't realize you guys a turf field up there. Oh yeah, the grass yeah. Grass.
2: Unfortunately, I'd love Best to be people. on natural grass. <laughs> So we call people. four quarters, Coach. Hey, we call four quarters. We start at 3 o'clock, and we do our conditioning right off the bat. We kind of got that from Pete Carroll, um, where we condition right off the bat. Then we go in. One side of the ball will lift while the other side is meeting, um, and then we'll flip that, and then we'll go out for a two-hour practice. And at the end of practice, you know, it's getting around six thirty, seven o'clock. We'll do the most important stuff, you know, the situational team, 11-on-11 11 11 type stuff. And we feel like if they can operate at that point in time when their minds are the most tired, that's going to help them uh, at the end. So typically, you know, I I like that concept of conditioning at 3 o'clock and 110 degrees because then then the kids don't have their minds thinking, oh, my gosh, I got to hold something back because we're going to condition at the end, you know.
0: Ben Noonan, head coach at Sierra College, joining us. Uh, coach, I, w- I was reading a story, and I know we talk a lot about about BA as as the player, but it's something that kind of struck uh, you and stru- struck me reading it, of course. But you actually having having gone through it, um, his relationship with your son. Um, talk oh, a little. That. Talk a little bit about that.
2: Uh, it, my my son, you know, he's always around the field. He's always around practice field. He never misses a game. And, uh, oh, yeah, Brandon was one of his favorite guys, and Brandon interacts with the kids really well. And, you know, so um, before he was drafted, you know, a week before that, we were switching over. I'm sorry to all the Giants fans out there that might be listening, but, you know, my son is a Fairweather fan, and the Giants haven't been doing well in the Niners <laughs> half. So um, <laughs> we uh, we my wife designed his closet. And you can there's a special way you can design these closet doors to look like lockers and so we took down all the giants lockers and we were putting up niners lockers and and i told him i said okay this one's gonna be you know what do you want he said i want Kittle, i want bosa and of course me dad you know so he gets a locker too and he said the fourth lockers for brandon and i said but you know he might not be a niner he goes. I don't care. Whatever team he's on, the fourth locker goes to Brandon. So you know that's the kind of impact he's made on my son. And uh, <laughs> you know, just just uh, quality quality person. Very quiet, but he ha- he has an infectious smile. He's he, he's good with good with the kids. But yeah, my boy is his biggest fan now. Then he gets drafted by the Niners, and my son and I went nuts on the couch. Like what? You know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> well, coach, you had a, a unique perspective of seeing. Brandon come in and, and you already touched on, you know, him being young and not taking some, you know, some of his schooling and things like that is serious. Uh, that, that, the kid that had, that started there at Sierra college with you, that you work with to what you see now. Um, if, if you had an opportunity to tell that kid at that time where he could be in this moment, knowing what he was, knowing what he could develop into, what would you have said to him?
2: The, his approach was right on, was spot on. His approach to practice, his approach to the weight room, his approach to the offseason. I knew he was going to be great. He didn't even start his first four games for us, and he never once said a word. He never complained. He never said, Coaches, screw me, coaches, this and this. I should be doing this. I should be doing that. He just grinded until we could not take him off the field. And he was similar his, his junior year at Arizona State. He was not, quote unquote, the man. You know, Nikhil Harry was mm-hmm. there, obviously. Um, and then, but but he does, his approach to the game, to the work, he loves the grind. He loves the practice part of it. His approach to it is, I would tell him, you just keep that approach because his mindset was spot on to be great.
0: Ben Noonan, head coach at Sierra College. Coach Brandon Ayuk uh, during his time as a junior college football player. Also... A member of the faithful, so just thrilled that uh, his former player is now playing for his favorite team. Coach, we appreciate the time. Thanks so much uh, for joining us here, and be
1: well.
2: Absolutely. Appreciate you having me. B.A. is going to be a great one, man. He's an awesome guy.
1: Hey, good talking to you, Coach. Good luck this season, whenever it gets going.
2: Yes, sir, E.D., fingers crossed.
0: Ben Noonan joining us here on the Believe and yeah, good stuff 49ers podcast yeah that's good stuff by by coach um yeah. it, it it's very interesting you know talking to, to to Ben and then also talking to uh Charlie Coach Charlie Fisher um who we had on a previous pod um who, who coached BA as well um mm-hmm. it's just it, it it's interesting how you know, his two years at JC and his two years at the four year level were, were so similar. Like, first year, he kind of comes in, yeah. you know, he, he kind of tries to carve a niche for himself, has some success, but then that second year, he just takes off. But the reason he took off that second year was because that off season that led into that second year. And, and it, it was almost pretty, pretty similar at both places. We heard Ben uh, talk about that as well. Um and you talk to it, talk to him about that as well. Just embracing the challenge, embracing the yeah. grind. Like, like, yeah. where do? Because uh, everybody's not wired that way, you know. No, like, like no, no. How how special of a trait is that for him?
1: Uh, well, you know what? That's that's one of those things. I, I, you and I talk about it, and I don't think we, I don't know if we've talked about it on the pod or the pod that we have after we finish our pod. Yeah, we got the, the, uncut just yeah, the uncut gold. pod. That's just yeah, the uncut yeah, yeah. So on that one, where, where I always say that that it's one of those things where people don't see that part of it. They don't see that grind. They'll never know how much someone actually cares about it. They just see the performance. Uh, and you and there's a part of it. Some guys are just so naturally gifted. They're just so physically and naturally gifted that they are able to perform and do things that some of us just simply can't do. Um, you, you know, there, there, it, there's not a workout in the world. That's going to make you run as fast as the, there's, yeah. there's just nothing that you can do, but what you as an individual can do is maximize your talent. So having the mindset that I want to improve, I want to get better. That's, that is, that is an incredible trait. And that's what a coach looks for. I asked the question to his JC coach. Why, why was he there? Why was he at a JC? Not because in any way I was trying to um, you know, belittle anything the man had done. I was trying to highlight any deficiencies. I was trying to get him to speak on that so that you can see the growth. Because younger, obviously, there were some things that he needed to do that he chose not to do for whatever reason. And the reason, and the re, and the reason I say he chose not to do them is because when he decided to do those things, the academic aspect of it, when he decided to do uh, the physical, the workouts, all of these things, he put his mind to it and said, I want to maximize this and see where I can go. I want to see what my potential is. So you know, you hear me say it. One of my isms, you can't give what you ain't got. Yeah. But If I can give, if I can maximize and give you everything that I have, let's see if that's good enough. And that's what's so great about what I I keep hearing and what I heard from his junior college coaches that this young man came in and didn't complain about anything. He just said, let me work and see what I can become. If you, as a 49er fan, as part of the Faithful, that's what you want. You want to see a guy who doesn't need to be told what to do, who doesn't need someone to hold his hand and motivate him. You want a guy that's saying, I want to be great. I am going to push myself to give you everything that I have. Cause it's the coaches. It's, it's, it's John Lynch's job and Shanahan's job and Keenan Turner and Martin Mayhew, and I can keep going down the list of the of the scouts and all this, it, but the, it's their job to make certain that you have the physical attributes to do it. Like I say all the time, you're already good. So now I don't know what you're going to be. I don't know what you're going to become. I can't. I, I, you have a certain skill set that I'm going to evaluate at a certain level. I don't know if you're going to become Kittle. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. That's that's on you. That's that's on you. I, I, I have no, I have I don't know that motivation. This is a guy you draft in the first round because they believe that he has that that he's motivated to, to maximize everything and they already believe that he has, you know, supreme talent.
0: All right. As promised, another edition of Real Thing or Not. That's where I okay. pose a question. Eric will give his answer. I'll give my answer. This, of course, is the Believe in 49ers podcast. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review. Uh, We're located wherever you find your podcast or wherever you found us. That's where you can continue to find us. Uh, make sure you rate. Give us a review. Cinnamon Kiss. I'm calling you out. You left a review earlier. Leave another one. You left a review before any of you out there. Uh, go ahead uh, and leave another one. Give a, give another rating. Uh, we're, we're, we're calling out names here on the Believe in 49ers podcast. Uh, now time for uh, another edition of Real Thing or Not. I got a two pack of questions here for you um, as we head into this uh, 4th of July holiday weekend. Um Real thing or not, Ed? Cam Newton going to the Pats boosts the Niners' strength of schedule.
1: Oh, real thing, real thing. I mean, Cam, Cam, did, did, did you hear Cam said I'm, I'm coming for your neck? <laughs> Cam is um this Cam. People have been sleeping on Cam. I, I'm you know like like um Nodos sleep like um Ambien mm-hmm. sleep. I, Cam. Cam has just been injured. He hasn't forgotten how to play. He's had a lot of time for his body to heal. Um, And that's why New England went out and got him. This is, you you know, now one thing, everyone's freaking out over his contract. Everyone's like, you know, it's a shame he did this. And why does it like stop it? Like, why am I upset about why everybody mad about another man's money? Cam, the contract is a good contract. You know why? Cam signed it. (laughs) He, he, he was he was happy with it why should i be upset when he's not cam newton decided that he wanted to play football for the new england patriots for a certain amount of money with a certain signing bonus he didn't have to he chose to do so so since he chose to do so now let's look at the other aspect of it and yes that that changes things the new england patriots will be a better football team with cam newton under center than they would have been without him they are a different team um Cam as the starter is something that the Niners have to think about um uh, because it's going to change the dynamics of that offense and a healthy Cam um is capable of being a very high end player in the NFL. Uh
0: yeah, con- consider me a sleeper. Um I'm I, I say not. I
1: okay. say
0: not. Uh just for the simple fact that uh I don't even know that I necessarily believe in this marriage between Cam Newton and the Patriots. Why is that? Um I I we we just haven't seen it before. I think I think you're you're
1: asking what, Well, you haven't seen what before? Th-
0: this marriage. This marriage, this this type of quarterback with this this uh OC and and head coach pairing um, if you look at Cam and, and you look at all the success that 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 Bill Belichick has had with with uh, Tom Brady, um, you're talking about completely different quarterbacks. You know what I mean? Like oh, yes. you're, you're talking about yes. a, a complete 180. You know, and so mm-hmm. you you more or less have to have a system that is going to fit Cam and not the other way around. Um, in all honesty, like I wouldn't even be surprised if he's not even on the roster by the time the Niners face them. Oh, Oh, goodness gracious. Week week seven.
1: Well, first of all, okay, now I'm going to jump back in on this (laughs) because first of all, you don't need a system to fit Cam as opposed to Cam fitting their system. Cam fits perfectly into their system because, number one, it's for Tom Brady, who is unathletic, who is a drop-back quarterback. An athletic quarterback can always drop back. Cam can always drop back into the pocket. He can always do those things. He can always make the throw. Cam has the arms to make the throws that that offense requires. And – What you're missing out on is that Cam actually adds an element to that offense that they've never had. So he can, he can make the throws from the pocket. He can make the handoffs from the pocket, all the straight drop. It's a straight drop back offense. Now they have an opportunity to add in the runs, to add in the read that that the quarterback can take. You have the threat of this 260 pound guy in the red zone um, running the ball. on on the third and shorts, running the ball, all of these things. I actually think it's something that's why they went out and did it. This you're absolutely right. It's something that they've never had, which is why I think, I think the marriage is perfect. I mean, they, they broke up with, they broke up with the, with the last one and they were like, you know what? I thought that was my flavor. I'm going to go a different route. I think I see something that I like even more. I'm going to try <laughs> it, and that's what I think they're doing right
0: now. Yeah, but let, we'll let see. Me see. I, we'll, we'll see. I mean, we don't we don't even know if, if he can if he can throw, and and I say that because, you know, remember he, he he had the surgery, and then last camp, remember he was he was supposed to be unveiling this new throwing motion, right? So I mean, uh-huh. you can say, oh, he's had you know all this time to work on it, this, that, and the other, but I mean, we don't know how. You know, like like he still has he still has not done this, um, you know against against live bullets, right? Yeah, you know, A- what? and, and, and so he's still
1: I, better than what's what's the guy's name? Stedham? He's Jer- still Jared better Stedham? Stedham? He's better than Stedham. Maybe so, maybe so
0: but I, to me, the story week seven, it's gonna be about Jimmy G. I'm coming home. Belichick, take that. Um, next one, real thing or not? Uh, George Kittle. Uh, his contract with the Niners is going to be in the $13 million a year range. Real thing uh-huh. or not?
1: Um, I think I'm already on record saying that, right? On our previous podcast. I think that's the number that I threw out there. Um, and uh, it you make him the high. see See, that's a real thing. I think it should be somewhere. It's going to be somewhere around there. Someone asked me to push it like and I said if you pushed it I said if I pushed it I thought it'd be you know 15 and but I I I, I said 12 to 15 and they were like what do you really think the number I said I think it's going to be around 13 reason being there is no argument absolutely no argument on the planet that George Kittle can make to say that that's not enough there's no argument that he can make in any claim, there's not there's not a fan that can do it, there's not an agent that can do it, there's no one that can make an argument for George Kittle that says he should get the twenty million or whatever that they were talking about. It's impossible. I'll tell you why. Let's just say George Kittle's the best tight end in the game. That's your argument. Okay, I agree. George Kittle, um, is the most important person on the 49ers offense I, I, okay i'll agree i'll agree with you george kill is like one of the most important people in the locker room he's an energy guy power guy bring guy. okay i agree with you all right we want 20 million dollars can't do it tell you why he's the highest paid I mean, he's the best at that and all this stuff, blah, blah, blah. Well, he's a tight end. So I tell you what I'm gonna do. I'll make him the highest paid tight end. Mm-hmm. That's what, that's 10 million? I'll I'll make him 10.5 a year. What, what, done deal? Why are you mad? I just made you the highest paid player at your position. Okay, I'll I'll give you eleven. That's it. I'll give you eleven. you you're the highest paid by a million dollars at your position. You're 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 killing them. OK, uh, 20 million. I'm not giving you 20 million. Go find it somewhere else. You can't you can't get 20 million because no one at your position gets 20 million and, I'm, and no one's going to give you 20 million because they're going to raise the price of all their other positions because tight end is not a position that gets paid like that. It's like if you made it's like if you made your um your guard, it's, it's like if you it's like if you if you got your guard and you decided you're going to give your guard left tackle money. I'm going to pay my guard $25 million a year. Trent Williams is going to say, thank you. Because mm-hmm. I now get $30, 35000000 Back up the truck. That's what's going to happen. So if you decide to pay your tight end, if you decide to blow everyone else out of the water at the tight end position, highest paid tight end right now is $10 million. Highest paid tackle is in the 20s. You take that up to twenty, and that's what I'm just saying. You just you're just destroying it. You can't do it. That position just does not garner that much money because tight ends don't. I don't care how good you are. You are the best tight end in the league. You are important to my locker room. I love you as a from a fan standpoint. Would love you as a teammate. But tight ends don't push the needle on winning championships like that. Mm-mm. That's that's why they don't get paid like that. that's why that's why that's it's it's the history of the league says so not eric davis tight ends don't change they don't change things that often and everyone's going to go back to grunt well grunt did this well tom won the majority of his games without grunt and at no point did you watch at no point did you watch a super bowl or any of those games and say that grunt was the mvp of that game like they wouldn't have won it without grunt so and go back and think about those games <laughs> and think about it was 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 gronk was gronk the mvp that tom had to have to win those games no no so back to Kittle. you can't you can't get it you, you can't get it so i know i think i answered the question you asked so thirteen. yeah you, said,
0: yeah, you yeah, 13
1: yeah 13 yeah. i i if if he gets 13 he should be ecstatic he 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 destroyed the market you, you didn't you didn't you didn't just set because the market was just recently set by another player. You destroyed the market. That is that is more than fair for, the, for a team to come in and say that we are going to pay you. We are going to pay you three million more than the next player at this position. That's you know on average. That's that's a that's a big deal. That's a big deal when you're in a situation to where we don't have to go you don't have to go that far you don't like i said they they could come in and say we're going to pay you 10 million and 1 we're going to make you the highest paid player and you would look crazy to argue but i mean you know what i'm saying i mean how how can you come back and say the team's not being fair when they say we're going to make you the highest paid player at your position
0: yeah yeah i mean you don't <laughs> you don't really have an argument at that point
1: that's that's my point so that's why i say that's why i say 30, if he gets 13 and, and I think thirteen is not only saying we appreciate you as a player, um, that's just making you the highest paid player. They're saying we appreciate you as a niner, what you bring to the fan base, what you bring to the uh, locker room. That's what those few extra million are for. That's what you that's what you're doing. You, you know, you, you're you're paying this guy for more than what he more than just what he does on the field, because what he does on the field is its value by the game at 10 million dollars a year see my point
0: yeah i i say real thing and i think 13 is more in line i know those those rumors about 20 million a year were floating around and, and we talked about that you know on previous pods but i think 13 is obviously a lot more realistic you talk about setting the market right um, mm-hmm. You look at the two highest-paid tight ends entering the 2020 season. Hunter Henry is making a little bit over 10, and he's fran- he's playing on the franchise tag. Austin Hooper signed this offseason four for 42 with uh, the Browns, making him – uh, the highest paid tight end in the league, uh, but Henry has him by a, a couple thousand just on this season alone. But when you uh-huh. look at the longevity of the contract, Hooper uh, is is actually the highest paid tight end in the league. So you look at that, and the market is right there at 10. It's less than 11 um, for both these guys. If... If you you set the market and, and and make Kittle the highest paid tight end in the league at thirteen, um, I think that's a win win. I think that I don't want to speak for Kittle, but if like you said, if, if if he doesn't really have a leg to stand on, if yeah. if he argues about being the highest paid tight end in the league, right? So it that that should be a win for him, and but I also think it's a win for the Niners, right? And and and, and it's also no a win a win for the faithful. Um, if you if you're a, a, amongst the school that believes he should be in that $20 million a year range, then great. Good for you. Just know that it ain't going to be in a Niners uniform. <laughs> um,
1: exactly. At all. Exactly. Just know that. Know that it, it can't. It can't be. It can't. Well, no, this. No, let me say this. If it. So just if you are in that camp that that you have to have Kittle, even if it costs $20 million, that's great. It's OK to say it's OK to do but just know that the um, sustaining a winning team won't happen. You won't be able to do it.
2: Yeah. It, you won't be able to do it's it. it not, because it's you're not going to happen.
1: It's not going to happen because you're going to have to – just to keep some of these guys – the numbers you're going to have to put out there, you, it's just not going to happen. There's no way. You, you you just can't do it. I mean, it, and that's just – it's unfortunate, but there it's just it's that way. It's the way people feel about um, – about you, Juschek. You can you can say all you want. You can say all you want about Juice and 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 I love him. I love him. Love the way he plays, like what he does. All of that is great. All of that is great. But um when he went out before and everybody was freaking out, dog, what are they going to do without Juice? I was like, "Guys, there's a reason there's only one on the team." it's it's not it's not the most vital position on the team i'm just my, trying my to man, say that. my
0: man juice is the last of a dying breed right yes and and, every,
1: and everybody and i know everybody freaked out when he got hurt and i was like you got to understand he's not the it's not the most viable viable position on the team and and and, it, and i was called a hater i'm like no i'm not hating i'm just looking at the roster he's the only guy if yeah. it was, if it were, yeah. if it were that important, you'd have another one, at I, least one more. I was, I
0: was in that school too. I, I, I thought, you know, me thinking he's extremely vital, and 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 me drinking the the Booger McFarlane Kool Aid. Uh, we 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 talked about that on the pod, but it's, you know, it, it, it's the way, it's it's how you approach it, right? Um, and, and and it's the changing of 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 personnel groupings as well. Um, that you know really allowed them to continue to thrive you know without him in the lineup right you look at a guy like Ross Dwelly you know they played him at fullback at times but then they also changed the personnel groupings you know you you, you go with more wide receivers um you change things up um to kind of negate the absence of him and that that's not saying he doesn't bring a lot to the table but it was manageable with him being out of the lineup um and 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 we bring it back to Kittle if I, it, it can't it, it can't happen because because just, cause just like you said if if you still got Trent Williams out there you know you, you're still gonna have to pay him so if you if you think Kittle's gonna get twenty and Trent Williams gonna settle less for less than that if at, at, at one of the most high profile positions in the entire NFL he's gonna settle for less than twenty if you give your tight end twenty yeah ain't gonna happen
1: well no it's just not even gonna remotely happen yeah. and then and like I said now. Now you kill that because now once you have a and think about it, when you have a twenty five to twenty seven million dollar um um tackle, um how much is your quarterback gonna get? yeah because you're gonna have to redo him soon too yeah it's a it's a trickle down
0: he, it's a trickle down effect he,
1: yeah, well, I would call that a trickle up or
0: a trickle yeah well in that <laughs> case, yeah, trickle up. Yeah, trickle up for yeah. those guys, but in terms of the rest of the roster, trickle down because you got to pare down tremendously. I mean, you talk about getting uh, guys yes. on, on the minimum and, and, and
1: less things. Yes, you are. You're going to really put pressure on. You're going to really put pressure on your um, front office to do what they're doing right now to find guys, find the you know the Emmanuel Mosleys that can come in and play. You're going to have to find guys like the Sherms that people are saying oh they can't do it, but still come in and play Pro Bowl, All Pro bowl for you. You're going to have to find guys, you know, and this is the funny thing. You're going to have to find guys like Kittle um, and uh, Fred Warner and Greenlaw. You have to find these guys that were drafted further down that outplay their deals. But then you know what happens when they outplay them? It's like Kittle. I want <laughs> you gotta $20 million. You got to pay them. Guess what? Fred Warner. That's going to happen. It's going to eventually happen with Greenlaw. That's what's going to happen. You're going to have to pay them. And you can't keep them if you start jumping, up, bumping those numbers up like that. So that's what you got to think about. This is not about – it's not about one season. It's about s- sustaining a winning organization. And where do you put the money and who do you put that into? And there are certain positions to do it. And, guys, I'm sorry, but the left tackle position is more important than the tight end. It is. I know it's not as sexy. It's not as fun. It may not be give you as many gifts but it's it's more important than the tight end position for this Niners team.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean that, that's that that that's very true. Um we uh we're, we're going to get out of here on that. Um this is the believe in 49ers podcast on the believe podcast network. Uh make sure you subscribe, rate and review uh Mr. Hicksta Nivik D. Um calling out names here. M M Mhot 18. All you guys that 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 left uh, some favorable reviews. Uh, if you reviewed already, if if you rated already, go ahead do it again. And, and if you haven't reviewed or rated already, go ahead and and do that as well. We take all you know all, all rates and reviews. You oh, know oh, yeah, if you we do. if you if you got something to say that you don't like, go ahead let us know. We'll we'll, we'll take that. Uh, we'll we'll take that too. Um special thanks once again to Ben Noonan for, uh, for joining us and, and, and his great breakdown that kind of, that concludes basically our, uh, our our run through the coaches uh, throughout this you know this most recent NFL draft but we had had, had some really good coaches and, and they all yes. brought their own you know unique perspective and insight so that, that was a treat Special thanks to them special thanks as well to you for listening you guys have a safe fourth of july uh weekend um you guys be safe out there and and continue to practice your social distancing and and mask wearing and and all that stuff um but but definitely be safe be safe with if if you're going to be a part of fireworks and all that stuff definitely uh take care of yourself take care your babies and and everybody else around you as well um you know no no accidents
1: yeah really guys don't do and this is what i've said forever you know for some reason because there are 364 other days of the year that holding dynamite in your hand and lighting it while intoxicated doesn't seem like a good idea. But for some reason on the 4th of July, people tend to think that it's okay for me to hold explosives yeah. and it's okay for me to hold them in my hand and, and light them and just test whether or not I'm faster than the stem while I've been drinking. Don't do it, okay? Not a good idea. Just don't do it. Not yeah. a good idea.
0: Not a good idea. Um, so yeah. T- take take those words of advice. Heed that advice, please. And uh, and and you guys be safe. Uh this is been the Believe in 49ers podcast on the Believe Podcast Network. He is Super Bowl Champion Eric Davis. I'm Rashawn Haylock. Y'all be safe, and we'll see y'all next week.
1: Peace.